Acts chapter 27. And we're going to begin reading in verse 13. When you have it, say, I've got it. If you need a minute, say, wait on me. Okay. We know who won sword drills when they were a kid. All the I've got it. Amen. Acts chapter 27, verse 13. I feel the word of the Lord like fire in my bones this morning. And this is what it says. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clada, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, fearing lest they should run aground on the citrus sands. They struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we should be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Let me pause here and tell you. You always need somebody to tell you, I told you so. keeps you humble verse 22 and now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you but only of the ship for there stood by me this night an angel of God an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying do not be afraid Paul you must be brought before Caesar and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you therefore take heart men for I believe God. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for your word. Settled in heaven forever. And I pray that as I preach your word that it would break the, cho the, the chains. I pray that it would break the yokes of bondage. I pray that it would sever every fetter in this room. And that today will be a marked shift. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone who believes it, shout amen. amen. And amen. Before you're seated, look at two people next to you and ask them, do you believe God? And you can be seated. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor one more time and ask him, do you believe God? Amen. Amen. Today, this whole week, I've been praying, asking the Lord what he would have me to say. Long about Thursday, I felt this burden of the Lord to get into Acts 27. And, you know, we're in a series right now called enthroned and I tried my best to try to wiggle this thing and fit it into this series and it just would not happen and I wasn't going to force something that God wasn't trying to do so consider this a break I want to preach to you a message this morning entitled I believe God and last night while I was in here praying I just I just felt the electricity of the Holy Spirit in this room and I believe that as his word goes forth you're gonna feel it too because I believe God has come today the Holy Spirit has come today to rescue somebody he has come today to grab someone from the storm and let them know you're gonna make it I believe God and so we begin this journey here in Acts chapter 27 where Paul is being taken on what scholars and historians would tell us is a grain ship 
an Alexandrian ship that normally carries grain from one location to another. Paul was on an assignment from the Lord. And the devil didn't know that he was the vessel that was taking Paul to his assignment. How many of you know the devil's a dummy? Unbeknownst to him, the devil has a way of fulfilling God's will for you. And even the storms he sends at you will drop you off on the shore you need to be at. And Paul says to these men, I don't think we should sail. I don't think we should get on this ship. Because if we do, we're going to be in trouble. And the men chose to sail anyways. Now, I, I want to stop here and show you the both and aspect of storms. The Bible said in Acts 27, 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, they put out to sea. There are some storms that come not because of the devil, but because of your decisions. I'll let that sit on you for a second. And then I'll wind it up with hope. But I serve a God who is able to both deliver me from the storms of the devil and the storms of my decisions. Come on, have you ever made a decision? Have you ever made a decision that God rescued you from? Come on, am I talking to anybody in the room that won't be religious for just two seconds and just remember when you made a decision and God rescued you from yourself? Paul was attempting to be the voice of discernment for these men to say, you, you should not sail. And they sailed anyways. Discernment has the ability to look into your future and recognize what looks good in the moment will be your destruction in the end. And Paul told them with discernment, we shouldn't get on this boat. We shouldn't sail. But how many of you know not every storm is a result of decisions? Sometimes the devil sends storms. Sometimes the devil sends attacks as storms. This storm had a name. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. This word Eurachlodon, it means a storm from the east. In other words, a storm from an unusual direction. Most storms would happen from the west, but this storm came from the east. I wonder if there's anyone in the room who has ever been at a place in your life where a storm arose from an unexpected location. You couldn't tell where it was coming from. It caught you off guard. Maybe it was a family member who cut you off. Maybe it was somebody who, somebody who was supposed to be loyal to you, a friend to you, who cut you with their words and wounded you. Maybe it was a financial storm. Maybe it was a marital storm. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's the kind of storms that if you were looking for it in this direction, you would have caught it. But while you were looking this way, it came from that way. And it hit your boat and it knocked your equilibrium off and you couldn't get your balance back and you couldn't figure out why in the where in the world is this coming from? Where in the how in the world is this happening? How did I find myself here? An unusual storm. An unusual direction. How many of you understand there are storms in life you cannot prepare for? There are things that happen in your life that no matter how much money you have. Oh, it's quiet. Because your money can't protect you. No matter how much, listen, even no matter how much faith you have. You're not prepared for sometimes the knock at the door or the phone call that comes across or the email that comes in the inbox. A storm from an unusual direction where there was peace, now there is chaos. 
So we, we, we find these men in the eye of a storm that came from an unusual direction. And the Bible said, as we read on, that they went 14 days without sun or stars. Two weeks of total darkness. Two weeks of night terrors. How many of you know that the night is the strategy of the devil? The night is when the devil works. His strategy is this. Number one, his night strategy is to bring fear and terror. Song of Solomon 3 and 8 speaks of fear in the night. Job 27 and 20 says, Terrors, alarm, destruction, take hold of him as waters and steal him away in the night. Number one, he brings strategies of terror. Number two, he brings strategies of pain. Job 30 and 17, night pierces. My bones, my gnawing pains never rest. Come on, how many of you don't want to, don't, don't be religious in here. Don't act like you've never been there, that you sit and you wonder, how did I get here? Where did this storm come from? You lay awake in the middle of the night. Can't sleep, can't find rest, can't make your mind shut off. And you think about the pain and the worst case scenario plays in your mind. That's a strategy of the devil. The third thing is a strategy of weariness. Psalm 6 and 6 said, I am weary with my groaning all of the night. I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. It's a strategy of the devil to make you afraid, to wound you, and to make you weary. Ephesians 6.11 talks about the wiles of the devil. The, the word wiles means his methods. The methods. He continues in verse 12 of Ephesians 6 and he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The word used here, principalities, means scholars translate this text to point out that Paul is stressing that the enemy in this story is real. He is the devil. Your enemy is not fictitious. Y'all have heard us say this so many times, but I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. Scripturally, God and the devil are not enemies. God has already defeated the devil. Paul said in 1 Peter 5 and 8, your adversary, not God's adversary, your adversary, the devil, walks about as a warring lion seeking whom he may devour. There is a real enemy and he is after your soul. He is after your mind. He is after your family. I don't understand people who won't take seriously the attack on our children that is happening today. I don't understand people who won't take seriously what they put in front of their children. Because there is a coordinated attack for the mind and the thought process and the identity of your children. And it comes straight from the pit of hell. So principalities, he's real. And we are wrestling a battle. Listen to this dichotomy. That is beyond flesh and blood. But uses flesh and blood. I am a believer that every principality needs a personality. I'm going to say that one more time. Every principality needs a personality. Needs somebody who's not submitted to the Lord to be influenced by demonic spirits. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But flesh and blood are used in this battle. That's why it is important when you're discerning that you are not discerning flesh and blood, but you are discerning spirit. That's why the Bible says that we are to judge the spirit, not the man to judge the spirit. And so the devil will use people as a storm. Don't get me started there. I got, I got a letter three or four emails in the last couple weeks to prove to you 
that the devil will use people to come and to distract you and to bring terror and fear and weariness and pain. And then he said against rulers of darkness. This is translated to mean against the world rulers of this present darkness. And so then 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul said we're not ignorant concerning his devices. The word devices here means thought processes, the way he thinks. If you want to know how the devil thinks, pervert the truth of God. Pervert the truth of God. Take the truth and twist it. Oh, y'all are going to make me stay here. I promise you it's going to get better in a minute. But we've got to deal with the storm. And that in the storm, the devil will often try to convince you that you're going to die in the storm. Do you know what that is? That is a perversion of the truth. That the devil's going to convince you you're not going to get over this moment. You're not going to step past this moment. You're going to die just how you're living and he will pervert the truth and then he'll get you saying things like, I'm never going to make it. My babies are never going to be saved. My body's never going to be healed. And you sit in the night and the storm is raging around you and now the devil has not just trapped your mind, he's trapped your mouth. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. We love that part. But they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. What you speak, you will eat. Mm-hmm. So, so, so they're in this storm, a tempestuous wind, a Eurachlodon, a storm from an opposite direction, a storm they weren't expecting to get wind from the way that they normally have storms. It was unexpected, knocked them off their equilibrium. They haven't had sun, moon, stars for 14 days. Now, anybody in here like to be on the water? I mean, like on a boat, on the water, okay. I'm raising my hand to give you an illustration, but I could put mine down. I mean, Buckeye Lake is great, you know, because I know if I fall off, it's, I could stand in the water. I can get on that water. But don't expect me to get on a boat out in the ocean. And I read this story, and I was thinking last night, Michael, could you imagine being on a wooden vessel that had no motor, that could only be driven by the sails for 14 days with no food, Jesus help us, no sun, no stars, total darkness. You have no idea. Here's the other thing you've got to recognize. All they could do was throw the sails up and let the wind take them. That's what storms do. It takes your sense of control out of the equation. You have no control over what direction. They didn't know where they were. They had no idea what direction they were going for 14 days. Mark this day, set a reminder, or a reminder in your phone to think about Acts 27 and then think back two weeks and how long it's been. And maybe it'll click with you. How long they're on this boat. And Paul makes this statement, or Luke rather, makes this statement in Acts 27, 20. And he said, now when, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. That is the end goal of the devil for every storm that comes against you. All hope had been lost. And we are living in a day and in an hour in the darkness of the world, in the darkness of your individual life where fear is trying to grip you and hope is being stolen from the hearts of people. And some of you file in and out of church and in and out of church and you sit there and you stare a hole at me while I preach and you're depressed and you're oppressed and your mind is in turmoil why? Because you have no hope. 
Your hope is in Wall Street. Your hope is in the White House. Your hope is in Washington, D.C. And as far as I'm concerned, the, they've got nothing to offer me of eternal value. Our hope is based on CNN and Fox News and our hope is based on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and, and we wonder why we're depressed and we wonder why our minds have melted and we have no hope because the only hope that means anything is found in the Word and it is absent in our life. <sighs> Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope removed makes the heart sick how many of you recognize when you feel like you've lost hope that nauseous feeling i've been in hospital rooms with people i love when the doctor has come in and said there's nothing more we can do anybody ever been there and that feeling of sickness that just comes over you because it's inevitable what the doctor's trying to say is the only step that's left is inevitable. And that's where these men found themselves on this ship. All hope of being saved had been lost. They had been given over to hopelessness. And now that I've depressed you and painted the grimmest picture that I can... Acts 27, 22. First thing Paul does is he said, I told you we shouldn't have sailed. I told you at the beginning, you need somebody who can say, we shouldn't have done this. I told you so. Now I urge you to take heart. There is a marked shift that's about to take place in this story. And last night I was praying and I heard the Holy Ghost say that today there's going to be a marked shift in your story. There's going to be a marked shift in this storm. Here's the marked shift. Luke has spent the better part of Acts 27 at this point painting the grimmest picture he could possibly paint. Now Paul stands up and said, I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God I serve, saying, do not be afraid, for you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all that sail with you. Therefore, be of good cheer, men. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Now, let us... Use our thinking caps for a minute. Paul is on the same ship as these men. In the same storm as these men. It's a wonder that people who are Christians believe that they are going to be able to get out of storms it's amazing the lies that progressive christianity has told the body of christ come to jesus it'll be flowers and roses come to jesus you'll never have a bad day again come to jesus you'll never suffer again come to jesus and you'll never have pain again it's entirely anti-scriptural the very fact that you are living godly determines that you are going to suffer persecution according to 2 Timothy. You are going to suffer the attack of the enemy. You are going to be a target for the enemy on your life. Paul, the greatest apostle outside of Jesus, was in the same storm as these men. And I got to thinking the other day, I was thinking... I always used to hear this story and it would seem like Paul found a crate on one of these ships and put it up in the captain's wheel and stood up and found a pulpit and opened up a scroll 
It said, go with me to the angel of the Lord told me one and one. And the men all grabbed chairs and crates and sat down and were just sitting listening to Paul. Always was taught what Paul just started preaching to the men. What that doesn't take into cognitive thinking. This ship was being tossed to and fro in the pitch black darkness. Couldn't see their hand in front of their face. The wind is driving the rain into the side of their head. This boat is being tossed and driven by the wind. And Paul didn't have time to find a crate. Paul didn't have time to find a scroll. Paul somehow in the midst of the chaos got their attention and a marked shift occurred. And he said, men, I know the wind is blowing and I know the ship is tossing, but take heart. Here's the shift. I know there's darkness. I know there's depression. I know there is wind. I know there's a storm that has caught the ship off guard. But men, take heart. This word, take heart, it means to be encouraged, to not worry. Here, what, what, how, do you, how do you have the ability to stand in a ship that's about to be capsized and stand up and say, take heart? He said, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Be encouraged. I read in the Bible in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 where the scripture said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I in the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have troubles. In the world you will have pain. But be of good cheer. Take heart. Be encouraged. Because I have overcome the world. In Isaiah 26 and 3, the prophet said he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him and here is the mark shift I know it's dark I know the wind is blowing I know the pain is hard I know fear has gripped your heart but there is a word from the Lord take heart don't be afraid don't be discouraged encourage yourself in the Lord that's what the Bible said David did he came into a village where his wife and kids and all their goods had been plundered and the men wanted to kill him but the Bible said David found a corner then he went and talked to the Lord and he said shall I go up and will you deliver them into my hand and God said go for I have surely given them over to your hand and the Bible said David found a corner and he started encouraging himself in the Lord he started putting the word of God into his heart maybe it was David cornered with the men wanting to stone him and he sat down and he said I know they want to stone me but the Lord Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe that was the time that David wrote Psalm 30 when he said I will praise you, O Lord, for you have not allowed my enemies to rejoice over me. And your favor it lasts a lifetime. And weeping it may endure for a night but joy it cometh in the morning. And I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going on in your ship. But here's the word of the Lord. Don't be disturbed Discouraged. Don't be afraid. Take heart. He has overcome the world. Ah, and so, so you say, preacher, 
How in the middle of the storm? How in the middle of the wind? How when I've been taken off guard am I supposed to be encouraged? How am I supposed to take heart? Here is what Paul said next. Take heart. For an angel of the Lord stood by me this night. And he was carrying a message. You say, how am I supposed to take heart? Paul stood up and said, take heart. Because I've got a word from the Lord. And there are some times you don't have a doctor's report. You don't have a way of knowing scientifically what's happening or what's going on. But sometimes in the middle of the dark, sometimes in the middle of the night, the only thing you can do is grab on to a word from the Lord. The only thing you might have is a word. But can I tell you something this morning? A word from the Lord is enough. A word from the Lord will cause you to look at the night season and to look at the sun and the stars and see they're not there and say, I know that I know that I know that I can make it it's Psalm 107 20 the Bible said he sent his word and he healed them in Matthew 24 35 Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away in Isaiah 40 and 8 the prophet said the flower fades and the grass withers but the word of the Lord endures forever in first and second Timothy 2 and 8 the Bible said the word of God is not bound. You can keep your horoscopes. You can keep your astrology. You can keep your identity. Give me a word from the Lord. I don't need you to tell me what the newspaper said. I don't need you to tell me what my sign dictates. I need a word from the Lord. Uh, and, 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 and it was like Jesus when he stepped up to the shore and the disciples had been fishing all night long. The disciples have been in turmoil all night long. The boat is rocking back and forth. They're catching, they're throwing their net on this side, no fish. They're throwing their net on this side, no fish. They got to bring it in and clean it. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they hear a voice on the shore. And he's saying, brethren, cast your net to the other side. Take your net and throw it to the other side. And Peter said, this guy, I don't know who he is, but he's nuts. We've been fishing all night. We've been toiling all night. We've been in turmoil all night. But here's the thing. What Jesus was doing is he wasn't just a word from God. He is the word of God. And he was standing on the shore. And he sent a word out to the boat. And he said, take your net and throw it on the other side. And when they obeyed the word of the Lord, they had a catch they couldn't bring in. You say, Pastor, what do you say? Here's what I'm saying. I believe today God is standing on the shore and he's saying to you you're going to make it. I've given you a word and my word is enough. My word is enough. Some of you you need to be convinced again that a word from the Lord is all you need. That a word from the Lord is enough for you. That you don't need a preacher to tell you the word. You don't need a prophet to prophesy to you. You've got his word in written form and you need to be convinced again that if he said it, it shall come to pass. That if he said it in that old children's song, every promise in the book is mine. Every jot, every tittle, every line, it belongs to me. He has given me his word. And God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. Paul, standing on this ship being tossed to and fro, doesn't get a crate, doesn't have a microphone. But I believe the Holy Ghost amplified his voice. And he said, men, take heart. I've got a word from the Lord. I've got a word from the Lord. I don't need music. I don't need fancy lights. I don't need a really cool screen. I've got a word from the Lord. I don't need music in my prayer closet. 
I don't need the radio going as I go to work because as I'm driving, I'm clinching the word of the Lord. It's become my life vest. It's because that's exactly what it was. It was a lifeboat to those men, the word of the Lord. Here was the word, the first thing out of the angel's mouth. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's a, there's a marked shift that has occurred in our story that where there was once fear and anxiety and darkness, now Paul is giving the answer to the storm therein. And the first word was don't be, just slap three people around you and tell them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come on, I want to hear you tell them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Psalm 27 verse 1 said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom will I be afraid? When the wicked, my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. And though a host should encamp against me, my heart will not fear. And though war rise up around me, this thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever to inquire in his temple to behold his beauty for in the time of trouble he will hide me in his pavilion and in the secret of his tabernacle will he hide me in Luke 8 and 12 Jesus said fear not little flock it is the father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom in Isaiah 43 and 1 the Bible said this is what the Lord says to you Jacob who he created and Israel who he formed behold you are mine and I have called you by name and when you walk through the fire you will not be burned and the flame won't kindle on you and when you walk through the water you will not be overtaken and through the river you shall not drown for I am the Lord the Holy One of Israel thy Savior I don't know what's coming in the future I know recessions upon us I know inflation is here I know there are storms all around us but this is the word of God Almighty don't be afraid. He has not given you the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Touch three people. Tell them there's a mark shift. Sickness in your body, there's a mark shift. Sickness in your house, there's a mark shift. Something is changing. The doctor's report instilled fear, but there's something shifting on the boat right now. There's something changing in the boat right now. And you're moving out of fear and into faith. And you're moving out of trepidation into belief. And he said, don't be afraid. For there will be no loss. There will be no loss of life. Look at the person next to you and tell them you're not going to die in this. There will be no loss of life hmm. and I've come to prophesy over somebody who feels like they're getting ready to die in this how much longer can this go how much further can this go how much more turmoil can I take there will be no loss of life in this storm and while I'm at it, let me prophesy. There'll be no loss of mind. Because he will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on him. There will be no loss of health. Because by his stripes, we have been made whole. Come on, somebody. There will be no loss of finance because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. Not only will there be no loss of life, but loss is not your portion. Mm, but this is where I've wanted to get to the whole day. <laughs> 
Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Have joy. Somebody shout joy. Have joy. Psalm 1611, he said, you have shown me the path of life. And in your presence is, somebody shout it, fullness. Not barely scraping by. Not just a little bit. But fullness of joy. You say, well, preacher, how can I have joy when my life is in chaos? How can I have joy when my life is in turmoil? Here's how. Joy is not an emotion that you experience based on outward circumstances. That's called happiness. Joy is what the Holy Ghost gives. And if the Holy Ghost gives it, the devil can't take it. No storm can take it. No sickness can take it. No disease can take it. No lack can take it. Because the Holy Ghost gives it. I've got the joy, joy, joy. Y'all know that song. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. Given by the Holy Ghost. Acts 13, 52 said they were all filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. Joy. It's that thing that on a ship that's about to be capsized. You can laugh when everybody else is crying. <laughs> I just believe that Christians are supposed to be opposite in everything we do. <sighs> that while the world is mourning and in depression, we ought to be walking around with a smile on our face. Why? Not because our life is all put together, but because he's given me joy, unspeakable and full of glory he has given me laughter in the darkness he has given me laughter in the rain he's given me joy so i want to get to wherefore sirs be of good cheer for i Believe God. I am crazy enough that even though what he said doesn't match what I see, I believe God. I am not a James chapter 1 and 7 double-minded man. James 1 and 6 said, let him ask in faith, not doubting. In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe everything God has said. He shall have what he says. And when you pray, we know that he hears us when we pray according to his will. Mark 16, 17 said, These signs will follow them who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If they pick up any deadly thing, they will not be harmed. And if they drink any deadly thing, they shall not, it shall not touch them. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say here's the mark shift. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the pain... Sometimes your greatest act of worship is not a song you sing. Because uh, Can we be honest for a minute? There are some times you just don't feel like singing. Oh, I know some of you that's against your theology. But feelings are a liar. But feelings are powerful. 
and they can keep you from singing and they can keep your voice locked up and you don't feel like singing so sometimes the greatest act of worship that you can let go is to stand in the midst of the storm and square up your shoulders and put your chest out and hold your chin up and say against all odds against the advice of all my friends against the doctor's report against the lawyer's report against the facts I believe God I don't believe the doctor I don't believe the lawyer I don't believe what the eyes tell me because if God said it, I believe it. I believe God. I need you to touch five people and just tell them, I believe God. I believe God. I know y'all are wishing I would calm down and get back up on that platform, but I came to tell somebody in this room whose life is being turned and whose life is in turmoil, there is an anointing and a grace today to square your shoulders and to look the devil in the face and say I believe God you can't lie to me anymore I won't be deceived anymore I won't stand here and lay in darkness anymore in the midst of the turmoil in the midst of the storm I believe God I believe God that my son is coming home I believe that my daughters are coming home I believe that my body will be healed I believe that this storm is going to find peace I believe God somebody just shout I believe God I believe God. I'm going to say it till you get it. I believe God. Say it till it registers. Come on, you say it. Say it till it registers in you. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I know what the doctor said. I know what the lawyer said. I know what the bank account says. I know what the facts say. But the truth of God's word trumps the facts of natural man. I believe God. When it doesn't make sense, I believe God. I just feel like you, I feel like somebody needs to vocalize that this morning. Touch three more people and tell them, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Come on, tell them, I believe God for my family. I believe God for my children. I believe God for my future. I believe God for my marriage. Hey, I believe God for my marriage. I believe God. I feel it in my marriage. I believe God for 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 my children. I believe God. <sighs> Didn't make sense when God told Joshua for six days, walk around this wall quietly and on the seventh day shout but Joshua believed God it didn't make sense for Abraham to take his son Isaac to the mountain and to sacrifice him to the Lord but he believed God and the Bible said because he believed it was counted unto him as righteousness it didn't make sense for a virgin girl to conceive by the Holy Ghost the Son of God but Mary said blessed is she who believed Believed. Uh, then here's how the story ends. They're sailing. They've just received the word of the Lord. And Paul has told them, You're not going to die. If Paul had a B3 backing him up, I think he would have sang it too. You're not going to die. It's going to be all right. You're not going to die here. I've got an appointment with Caesar. And because destiny lies in front of me, you're not going to die. God has given you to me. Some of you need to go home to your family and say, because God has connected you to me, Ooh, you're not going to die. 
Some of you need to go home in your marriage and look your husband or your wife in the face and say, because God has given you to me, you're not going to die. Uh, and the Bible said that they ran up on the shore and the ship began to break. And the guards wanted to kill him. He wanted to kill the prisoners. But there was a centurion. God has a way of taking the devil's people and turning them into God's people. There was a centurion who had given Paul favor. And when the guard was going to kill him, the centurion said, no, 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 no. Do you know why? Because the word of the Lord to Paul, you're not going to die. You've got an appointment with Caesar and you're not going to die. I would have loved to see him have a B3 on that ship. You're not going to die. And if the winds couldn't kill him, haha. If the storm couldn't break him, then who are these weak-minded Roman guards and centurions that think they can stop the will of God? It doesn't matter if it's a storm that comes through disease. It doesn't matter if it's a storm that comes through a person. The word of the Lord was, you are going to stand before Caesar and there will be no loss of life. Okay, so they come up on this island. And the waves are beating the ship. Now, we love the prophecy that there was no loss of life. But Paul said the ship is going to be gone. What do you do when the way you thought it was going to work isn't how you arrive? These men had every intention to sail to Rome on this boat and make it in one piece. But what do you do when the ship gets broken all to pieces? The centurion told him, if you can swim, swim. But if you can't, grab on to the broken pieces of the ship. If you can't, the Bible said those who could swim, swam. But those, the rest, on broken pieces. In my mind, I saw my ship pulling into port, whole and well. I saw this coming out another way. But here's the promise of the Lord. There's going to be no loss of life. So sometimes all you got to do is reach out and grab the last bit of hope you've got. Reach out and grab the last bit of faith you've got. Reach out and grab the word of the Lord. Because whether it's in a whole ship or whether it's on the broken pieces, there will be no loss of life on this ship. Your life may not have turned out the way you wanted it to. It may not have functioned the way you had in your mind all these years. You may have encountered storms that took the wind out of your sail. But I've come to encourage somebody who is discouraged this morning. Look around and find a broken piece. Because the word of the Lord is you're not going to die here. Look around and find the board of the ship that's been broken. And grab a hold of it. Because you're not going to die here. <laughs> and I'm about to be done. Because now Paul has been shipwrecked on an island called Malta. <laughs> and the devil said, if I can't kill him with wind and wave, and I can't get the guards to kill him, when he gets next to the fire, I'll just do it myself. 
And they started a fire on Malta. And Paul was sitting there telling them the word of the Lord. When all of a sudden a snake, a serpent, jumped out of the fire and latched on to Paul. <laughs> if the wind couldn't kill him and the storm couldn't kill him. If the boat falling apart couldn't kill him and the guards couldn't kill him. This is why I told you the devil's a dummy. What made the devil think that a snake could kill him? Because the word of the Lord was you're not going to die here. The word of the Lord was you're not going to die here. The word of the Lord was there's destiny on the other side of this storm. There's a story on the other side of this storm. And you're not going to die here. And the storm can't kill you. The guards can't kill you. The boat falling apart can't kill you. And you're going to arrive on the island and the snakes are going to come and try to bite you. But what did Paul do? He took the bite and he shook it off. He said if I didn't die in the waves, if I didn't die by the hand of the guards I'm not going to die on Malta by the bite of a snake because this is not where my destiny stops this is not where my story ends this is not where his story in my life is finished there is destiny waiting for me in Rome and his name is Caesar uh, now go ahead Here's the calm version. If the devil was going to kill you, he should have done harder to do it. But the word of the Lord is you're not going to die here. And if the waves didn't take you out and the guards didn't kill you and life falling apart didn't kill you, then the snake can't get you either because Malta was not Paul's destiny Caesar was Paul's destiny and God told Paul until you get to Caesar you're not gonna die here we could change it we could be gospel and we could be worshipful you're not gonna die here Some of you are saying, were you talking about physical death? For some of you, I am. But for some of you, this is what the word of the Lord is. This story doesn't end here. This story doesn't end here. It doesn't end with that diagnosis. It doesn't end with that turmoil. It doesn't end with that pain. It doesn't end with that doctor looking you in the face and saying, you've got this or you've got that or this happened. It doesn't end with your family walking out. It doesn't end with a snake biting you. Venomous. This is not where the story ends. I know some of you are saying this is weird. This is prophetic. I didn't intend to do this. But I just hear the song of the Lord. This is not where the story ends for you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. And they will soar. They will run. They will run. Come on, ladies. You heard the word of the Lord. They will run. They will run. And they will not grow weary. And they will walk. And they shall not faint. And they're not going to die here. This is not where the story ends. We never read of Paul making it to Caesar. But the word of the Lord was you're going to make it to Caesar. So I don't need God to put in his word that Paul made it to Caesar. Because God told him on that boat, this isn't where the story ends. Caesar's waiting on you. Mm. 
stand on your feet all over the room. Lift your hands. Honor the presence of the Lord that's in this room now. Come on, worship him. Honor him. He's going to do a work in somebody's life this morning. This is not where the story ends. Come on, just let the Spirit of God just move over you right now. I just sense him getting ready to move across this room. This is not where the story ends. Come on, just receive. Just receive. This is not where the story ends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Come on, I want you to just, just right here verbally, I want you to begin to tell him out of your own mouth, I believe you. I believe you. Tell him, I believe God. I believe you. I believe you for my marriage. I believe you for my children. I believe you for my family. I believe you for my house. This is not where the story ends. <laughs> My, my, I just, I feel that there's a grace in the room that God wants to do something in marriages right now. Come on, every marriage, I want you to throw your hands up if you're married, and especially if there's turmoil in your marriage right now. I prophesy, this is not where the story ends. <laughs> Separation is not where the story ends. Divorce is not where the story ends. Turmoil and chaos is not where the story ends. Ah. My, my. My, my. Uh, here's what I want to do. If you're in the room and you say, Pastor, this word was for me. And I want to make a physical declaration that I believe God. God. 